This is Line Dance Podcast. I'm Christopher Gonzalez. Hello and welcome to Line Dance Podcast. Thank you, thank you. How are you? Oh, I'm doing very well, thank you. And uh, how are you? What is your name? My name is Daniel Tobias. Wait, we should give some context for this interview. How late were you dancing last night? Well, I believe the ballroom closed around 5 a.m. I went to bed at 4. Mm. Which means we've both got no sleep. The time is now 11.19 a.m. Ugh, it was hard to wake up. It was pretty rough. Good morning. Good morning. What would you say is your primary role in the line dance community? That's an interesting role right now. It's participant, mostly. My primary would be participant. But that being said, um, I did compete for an entire year and ended up choreographing about 18 dances last year in the uh, United States Line Dance Choreography Championship, is it champ, or competition? Mm, good question. Yeah, whatever that thing is that you competed in. Yes. That you did well in. First one um, in USLDCC. Yeah. And um, so competing, I guess backtrack, I started off just as you know, participating. After about three years, I realized all this intake, meaning just taking class after class after class, was building up like a dam in me. And I realized that it, I couldn't just take classes. I had to output. I had to choreograph and be creative and let it gestate in a different way and then manifest in a different way. And so that led me to first, at first I was just like, ah, I just don't want to do any more of this because I can't just keep taking workshops and not doing anything. It needs to add up to something. And it was John Robinson who um, basically said, I think, Daniel, you need to choreograph. And I said, I think you're right. I had no choreograph experience prior to it, but I think that's what the beauty of this competition, what, it, what it's about is to get you to dip your toes in the water and see if, see if you like it. And I loved it, so I ended up, which didn't mean I did well the whole time, but it, I sure learned a lot. Mm. I learned a lot from the competition. Like what? I, I think there's three basic things. Number one, be, it, creativity, obviously, because there are, when you choreograph line dances, there's flow to it, and that's just something you need to learn, not just performing it, because you can finesse awkward moves to make it look good, and also the opposite, you can make really nice smooth moves look very awkward if you're, if you're not you know dancing it right but um, ultimately it's kind of uh, through a lot of editing and trial and error and just learning is that you learn what smooth dancing is even if it has hip-hop kind of um, lock pop lock stuff you learn what it is really that is smooth that you're that is natural for not just your body but everybody's body and that takes a certain um, exposure and understanding and and experience so the creativity is one part of choreography that I learned the second part was about um, performance so it was you know when I first competed the first the first time oh gosh I was oh just my heart was beating so fast I was nervous you know there's that that cold feeling at the end of your fingertips um, and when your heart's beating so fast, you're not necessarily listening very well to the music, and you start to speed up. 
<laughs> so I was ahead of the beat. I was like, I can't get in control of this dance that I choreographed. So I entered two dances. And of course, it ended up like last place and second to last place. Not because the dancing was, I mean, the choreography was so bad. It's just that I didn't present it well enough. Or maybe the dance was bad. Who knows? It's, it's history now. Uh, I might revive those two dances. So, but by the third competition, I stopped. Well, I remember after that first one, um, going back to my private um, dance teacher. His name is Richard McMurrick. I take lessons from him every Tuesday night. And I remember thinking, I don't ever want to be that nervous again. And I don't want to not be in control of my body and the music and the dance and the choreography. I want to... What does it take? He says, it just takes experience, Daniel. So, so what do we do? So he said, for first, you're competing. You are doing what you should be doing. You're getting that out there in front of five judges with clipboards and 200 people or however many people in the audience, and you're just performing, soloing. The second is that we can do a dance routine. So we ended up choreographing and performing a dance routine together just to get more performance experience. But I'm telling you, by the third competition, there was no more nerves at all. There was only excitement, that kind of, oh, I can't wait to get on that floor and just own the floor. Not in an ego way, but owning it as far as you know you're confident with your body, you're confident with the choreography, you're not in any way the slightest bit worried that you might forget a step. Um, and third, you're really, really embracing the audience in front of you. It doesn't mean you're, not, you know, you're pandering to them, you're just... Owning, you're inviting them into whatever world that you're creating. And that experience, which I'm still learning, I'm still learning it, about how to do all that all together. Oh, and also listening to the music and interpreting that. Um, that's still, it's an ongoing process, but I was so, so grateful to this competition experience because I gleaned those things, and there's a third element that I haven't mentioned yet, I gleaned those things that I didn't even know I needed to glean. I thought it was just going to be about choreography, and then I realized, oh, it's about so much more. The benefits, even if you don't place or win, is so, so beneficial. Because I think the third thing that I didn't mention yet, that I really didn't expect, is the camaraderie that you would feel with the other competitors. It's, a competitor's only, that's only semantics. What you're what really is happening is that you end up dancing their dance, and they ask you to back up them as they're, dan as, um, as they're performing, right? So that you end up learning their dances. They learn your dances, and um, like my friend Kayla and David um, were competing in the same um, competitions, and we ended up just... I ended up loving seeing them every time just for rehearsal because, like, ah, oh, this is so fun. We're on the same wavelength. We have the same passions about it. We get, I get to learn new vocabularies, where their instincts going. They'll give feedback in a safe, gentle way where nobody's judging you in rehearsal process. And then it just is great to sit there whenever, you know, you've got judges during the competition process and the audience, and you sit there and you realize, these people have my back, right? We all want to place, of course, but Nobody, not once, was, the ever, was there any fear that they would sabotage anything. That is just not the case. It's the opposite. You feel really supported. And <laughs> they will dance. They dance their butts off for me, and I did my best for them as well. It's a really great feeling and completely unexpected. I did not know this process would, would give you those, all those different benefits aside from just uh, getting people to see your dances. So... 
You mentioned listening to the music. What layers or features inside of music do you try to hit? Mm, yeah. So, I mean, I'm a musician. I went, studied classical growing up um, and composed and ended up going to, to Juilliard for um, classical composition and all that. But as a composer, as a dancer, so, so I hear all, I hear m many levels, right? I'm hearing the percussion, I'm hearing the bass, I'm hearing the melody, whether it's a singer or an instrument, and then I'm hearing also the harmonies that are going on. Um, so to me, as a dancer, if you can hear all that, if it's a song, if the song is new, you may not be able to hear all that, but as a dancer, you get to decide, huh, which of these makes me, and this is, this is my perspective, one, Actually, this is, so this is the second priority. There's a first priority. But the second priority is, which of these makes me feel the most? Is it the bass that's just making me emotionally feel it or hitting me? Because it can hit you, aside from the brain, it can hit you in the heart, it can hit you in the gut, it can hit you in the groin. And never be ashamed of the groin part. It's important. There is a sensuality to it, and it can be sexual because maybe that's what the dance is really putting forward the most. Whichever one it hits you is the one you're going to go with. But it could be the bass. Right? It could be the melody, it could be the harmonies in it, and it could be something else. It could be the drums. Um, you, got, you need to decide and be open enough to know that things are hitting you in different places. Whichever is the strongest is the one as a dancer you want to go with. That's the second priority. I think the first priority, obviously, and every dancer who's trained will know this, is what kind of dance is it, right? Because if you are doing like a cha-cha dance, but you're adding kind of a West Coast smoothness to it, maybe that's appropriate, but mostly if it feels more like a cha-cha, feels like it, you need to dance it like a cha-cha, or at least to make more choices that are cha-cha. That means you're leaning forward more. You're actually, you know, there's more hip motion going on. There's more leg, um, you're pressing into the, to the floor, and there's a whole different feel to it, right? You're, chest is out <laughs> you know there's a whole different feel to it if it's a smooth dance that means it's the nightclub waltz or i guess i call it a transition dance like a west coast swing or two-step you need to um, know what a smooth dance is right you're leaning your back your weight is back more you're open you're lifted right um, your your contact with your feet to the floor is going to be different and then you know if it's pop lock you move all your weight down to your hips. You're just grounded. You lean forward. You don't have to worry about being all lifted. You, in fact, it looks a little silly when you're doing pop pop and you're lifting like, like a um, trained dancer. You just need to be down, and then you're, you're hitting different things. So first is what kind of dance. Second is it where is it hitting you, being open to wearing it's hitting you. And then third, it just comes with experience, and I'm still learning this. I'm not in any way speaking like an expert. The third is how do you actually manifest the, that those feelings are you extending are you pop locking is it are you actually there on the floor um, executing those kind of moves right and that's just experience I think um, the other the the other thing which after all that is are the lyrics of the music do the lyrics actually tell you to do something if for instance in a song it's saying um, you spin me round in circles you spin around in circles. If it's saying, hey, this hits me in my heart, 
maybe you want to internalize whatever that means to be hit in the heart. Um, lyrics are important, and I love it, love line dances that actually take a lyric and incorporate that into the line dance, and it works. Um, that makes the dance extra special. Like a pink champagne with a big, big bubble champagne. butt where she moves. Right, where she, you're putting your butt out. To the <laughs> dun, dun, dun. Uh, that is it's brilliant. It's brilliant stuff. Um, and some choreographers do it really well. Some don't, don't worry about it as much. It's tough with line dances because the mechanics of it, you've got to repeat a wall, if it's not phrased, repeating it over and over. So these same movements have to hit the chorus, the pre-chorus, the uh, verse. It has to hit it all. Not, not easy. That's kind of what makes line dancing super creative and super fun, is when it works, it really is a fun, special, um, explosively exciting uh, experience when it works. Like in Sound of Silence, during that reach mm. forward part, mm-hmm. what they're talking about in every instance of that is something different, but it works every time. Yeah. So, it, so Christopher is referring to Guyton's um, Sound of Silence, where you lunge forward... And you're either going to, it's talking about the road stretching out or the um, populace rising up. Whatever you're going to do, you're stretching. Or it also, at some point, like the dead or something. But your <coughs> movement of lunging forward and rising your hands up, open fingers, splayed fingers up to the, to the air is it's, it's, it's in a, a perfect illustration of where Guyton decided, you took a movement and applied it to all the moments in which you hit it, and it works. It works really well, and, and sensitive dancers can interpret it each way, each um, in different ways, so like four different ways every time you hit it. So that's a perfect illustration. I like your summary of um, like what, what you would do in a cha-cha, and I know very little about ballroom, would you be able to give us a summary of a few of the different uh, rhythms just so we would know when we're listening to mm-hmm. uh, music and we hear like one, two, three, and four, what is that versus one, two, three, four, and five or something like yeah. that? Um, and a preface is that line dance is the, the more intermediate to advanced dances will break this but with a very purposeful variation to it. They don't want to stick, stay strictly to um, a, a particular rhythm, giving the genre of the dance, because it would get boring. You need to vary it. You need to surprise yourself as well as the audience so that it gives you, it just makes it richer. It, it enriches the dance if it has more layers to it. Well, the basic one, of course, you're going to listen to is that a... a um, Waltz or Viennese waltz, which is one, two, three, four, five, six, one, two, three, four, five, six. Um, for Viennese, or one, two, three, four, five, six. It's a basic thing, is because you <laughs> oh, something with a, a three-quarter note. Sorry, I, I speak as a composer, so if you got three-quarter notes in your basic phrase, it's a specific waltz, right? Or Viennese waltz. There are pop songs. Um, I'm trying to think of anything right now, which I can't. Which um, Use incorporate this, and that requires a different type of of dance because your your downbeat's going to be the first and then the fourth. One, two, three, four, five, six. Oh, like Spiderweb by Brenna Stiff. Spiderweb is a great one. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's a fun dance. It's fun. Um, yeah, so a lot of pop music uses for that. Your first listening, I suppose, for that. Um, 
West Coast Swing has a basic um, walk, walk, triple step, triple step, which is your anchor, but rarely, rarely in a line dance are you going to stick strictly to that. More when somebody says, hey, this is a West Coast um, line dance. It's more West Coast-ish. Really, it's the vocabulary. It's the smoothness, and there's a sort of sexiness that comes to West Coast because it's, it's um, unlike, for instance, Lindy um, or Swing, it's not a lot of hip hop. There's not a lot of hopping, right? It's more smooth. It really, it's, I think of, of it, even if it's a fast rhythmic dance, it's more of a graceful dance. I think of it more of a smooth, even though technically it's smooth and rhythm, meaning your weight is forward and then back. You're alternating all the time. But it's really about, West Coast Swing is really about, and this is why I love the dance, it's really about the stretch and the compression. So in line dancing, even though you don't have a partner, you're stretching and compressing, and you learn to internalize the stretch and internalize the compression. Um, and that's, to me, a, a, a line dance choreographer who kind of knows what they're doing and actually does West Coast, <laughs> like socially does West Coast Swing will in fact understand that the type of vocabulary they want to they include in, in their line dance, their West Coast line dance, will have this internal compression and stretch and allow you to do that as a dancer. So that's West Coast Swing. Two-step is, um, when you social two-step, you're traveling around the floor. Obviously in line dance, we're not doing it. And your, base, your, basic, um, your basic is a quick, quick, slow, slow. Quick, quick, slow, slow. Um, in line dancing, I've, that's probably the least used, but also can also be the most energetic line dancing. Line dancing, line dances would be um, a two-step uh, line dance. Uh, Rachel's done a couple popular ones that are done in bars, um, and essentially, you never actually stick to that because you're not traveling. But you've got this feel of motion. It's a very kinetic feeling. Um, you feel like you're traveling, and a lot of two-step line dances will this feeling that you're taking the floor and you're going places. But above all else, it's a it's um, it keeps to that type of quick, quick, slow, slow, whatever. So this is this basic feeling that you're going to get. You're not going to get a whole bunch of sweeps in it. You're going to get more kind of rhythm type of things. But you're picking up your feet. You're moving. You're moving. It feels like you're moving. What else are we just talking about? Um, I think one that is really used a lot because it makes it allows choreographers and invites choreographers to be super emotional would be a nightclub um, line dance. Um, Will's every other one he does is, is a nightclub dance. Like Holy would be that, or um, Way Down We Go. So a nightclub is is a the basic is to the side is a horizontal type of um, basic where you step, you um, place your foot behind your, I'm a lead, so you step to the right, place your foot behind, and then cross your foot over is your basic for a nightclub. What it'll, again, the nightclub, that the element of nightclub that makes you feel emotional is the stretch that you get. Um, like West Coast Swing, almost even more. So nightclubs are, are tend to be very smooth, um, and I feel, to me, the nightclub dances make me feel the most emotional. I love them. They're, they're exquisite. They can be exquisite, anyway. Um, then there's, of course, just the other things that don't fall into that. Whether it's hip-hop, whether you want to call it that, or just 
lock pop or there's a whole bunch of variations where it doesn't fit into those bases. You can have other, there's other rhythm ones, there's cha-cha, there's rumba, there's a whole bunch of other um, rhythm type of dances, um, which has your basic, like cha-cha, cha-cha basic, but your, um, or rumba would be, we know what those are. But um, there, most of the other line dances will fall into, uh, like we'll just call it pop or hip-hop, where you're just doing a lot of pop lock, there's just funky moves, it's very funky feeling. It allows you to really, your energy should be down onto your um, hips more as opposed to lifted and up to the, to the sky, right? Um, and you're, so you're just grounded. You're just like feeling it more. It's, I feel it hits, those tend to hit, hit me in the groin more than others, the gut and groin. And that's where I wanna, that's where I put my center of gravity is down there more than other dances. Um, they're also the hardest ones for me because I was raised with classical music, right? So I, like I, I have to work the hardest to, to, to really dance those well. But I love it. I love it because line dance. I love line dancing because it allows it introduces all these different types of dances into the into one night, really, and you could um, develop all these um, skills and all these types of listen to all these music and dance all this music that you normally never would get exposed to. Mm-hmm. It's thrilling. It's really thrilling. You might experience this as a writer and musician as well, but with a limited set of units of creativity to draw from, like whether for uh, writing it's words, you only have so many words you can use, and uh, with music you have only so many notes and so many instruments. With dance, how do you ensure that you are still being original and uh, creative in a, in a way that people will enjoy without dr- pushing too far out of the box uh, when there are only so many rhythms, only so many steps. So there's two ways to answer this. One is from the dancer point of view and the other is from the choreographer point of view. Mm-hmm. Um, from the dancer point of view, I think it's, in, it's endless. And uh, in a sense, it's not even your responsibility to be... Um, to expand the vocabulary. I feel like, let me explain that. As a dancer, when I watch really good dancers on the floor, what I'm really watching is their commitment to truth because they're trying to be as truthful to, one, the emotions that hit them and to the lyrics and to the rhythm that's presented to them. And they're, mere, they're really, they're not merely, it's a huge accomplishment, but they are really being as truthful to those impulses that that are provided to them by the music, by the singer, by the various rhythms in that, um, and by the choreographer. They're, they're being as truthful. They're committing to the truth of that. Um, and I think then in a way that gives you license to do a lot of things within that. It almost frees you up to just commit to that so you don't feel this responsibility and this... You don't pre-plan these 50 moves I'm going to, or variations I'm going to do on this. You, you're committing to it. And it almost frees you up to just be in the moment and be expressive. So I don't think of it when I'm dancing and I'm really in that zone. I don't think of it for me as a, a hardship. I think of it as a freedom. Because truth and being in the moment you need to get rid of other agendas. You really have to just feel those impulses um, and be open to it. And really just listen. What is the singer doing? What is the choreographer 
telling me to do? What is the singer kind of feeling it? And you get to physicalize that. Um, I think from the choreographer's point of view, your, the, the vocabulary the vocabulary for dance is ever expanding. It keeps evolving. And newer dancers from different countries and, and new dance styles um, start giving you variations to it. But the thing is that if you think about a combination lock and you are presented a combination lock, okay, each combination lock has, there's only a certain amount of digits, right, one through nine that you can do for each slot. How long would it take you to get through that combination lock? A long time, because there are endless variations of these numbers, one through nine. If it's a five combination lock, there's endless variation. Well, if you think about a line dance, you basically have a 32 slot lock that you have to unlock in which each one has more than nine digits, but let's take that metaphor. Each one has in these nine digits. How long would it take you to figure out what the right combination is? Well, there is no right combination. There's whatever you decide, but you can, with that metaphor, you can see how many variations you can do, even if it's even if it were if it were hypothetically only nine, you know, possibilities per count. There are 32 counts, or maybe it's a 64 count dance, or it's phrased, meaning of A, B, possibly C. Um, so. If you take that metaphor and you keep going with it, there's actually not just nine possibilities per per beat. You have, oh my gosh, you've got so many. Let's just guess 200 per. So if you have that and then 32 beats, there's a lot of combinations. I almost think it's just, it's, it's, I suppose from a logician's point of view, it is a finite number of moves, a number of um, possibilities, but in real in lived reality it's infinite it is just um, you, what I would do as a choreographer versus what you would do as a choreographer going to be completely different and yet it's the same music we're listening to what's going to hit you because you've had a different life than me it's going to hit you differently right than what's going to hit me and therefore what you choose to select for that same song in that first eight counts is going to be very different it should be, if you're, you know, being truthful. Um, so, it's, there's, I just feel like it's limitless. As a creative person, I'm sure that you have gone through periods where you're filling the tank of inspiration and creativity and learning new things and uh, going to classes that enrich your, your toolkit and your skill set. And there are other times when you're driving the car that has the the full tank and you're experimenting and you're taking what you've learned and applied it what does filling the tank in that aspect look like for you and what does driving the car look like from the perspective of course that i've really only been dancing for since march of 2011. (laughs) so from a dance perspective I am still learning what that means to fill the tank and then also drive the car, which I love that metaphor is filling the tank. You need to... (coughs) um, There's a whole bunch of reasons why you might feel depleted. It could be emotionally. It could just... It could be financially. Like, you just... You're... The anxiety of... I live in New York City, and the anxiety of needing to be able to pay the rent and be able to pay this this and this can just make you feel like I, I have no energy... But 
I think that for me, it always comes back to the, the truth of the music. And, and we are emotional beings. Um, when you are feeling depleted, I actually don't think you are empty of emotions. What you're really doing is you're locking the frustration. You don't want to commit to the anger or frustration of your life. And so because of whatever reason why you're, lo- you're, you're, you're suppressing that or putting that away, it makes you feel locked up or depleted or empty. It makes you feel um, like you're in a creative block somehow. I actually think it's anger. And so to me, from my experiences, I address the anger. I love it when you get a dance that has some, I call them anger dances, but allows you just to uh, grit your teeth and commit to that emotion um, because that unblocks me. Um, what even, If it's not dance, it'll be writing because I'm also a writer. Um, I wrote a novel under the pen name Rafe Hayes and I'm writing screenplays, two more books, and a whole bunch of things. So I will go to a passage that I need to write, and I will make sure it's an anger. It's almost like journaling if you ever go to therapy. It's like you need to journal to get it out. You need to get that out. That will unlock you. You'll be able to feel creative again. Because I don't actually feel like anybody's empty of emotions. I think you're just locking down an emotion you're not prepared to feel. it could be anger. Often it's also sadness, which I think for, um, I don't want to be gender specific. In the past, I, you know, I've learned, I used to teach Meisner acting classes, which was one of a, a highlight of my life. And um, I found in general that women would cry more readily, but get angry less readily. They were very scared to get angry. Guys would get angry more readily, but would cry less readily. They were scared to get sad. So I feel like for me, it was difficult. It still is difficult to just let it flow, let the tears just fall for whatever reason. Um, It also helps to do sad, sad passages for me. I'll know the difference at this point between whether this is, am I feeling angry or sad or both? And I feel like that really unblocks me. So whatever my creative endeavor, whether it's going to be choreography or it's going to be writing or I also sing. So it could be singing. If I'm feeling, quote, depleted or empty, really I just need to address the emotion that I'm trying subconsciously to avoid that will open it up and then it will come streaming out because you've already dammed up all this stuff that just needs to come out now. That's just a long, long-winded answer to that. Do you have a website where people can find all of these things that you've mentioned? Because at this point you've mentioned so many different things that you do. I'm sure people are interested in following um, Right. So uh, Rafe Hayes, R-A-F-E-H-A-Z-E dot com is the book that was published. Um, it was nominated for a lot of awards, but that was a couple years ago. I am writing two more books, which will I'm not sure will be under that or my real name, Daniel Tobias. What I'm working on now, because ooh, this is cool, I just um, left my nine to five job about three weeks ago to write full time, and so now, of course, 
right before I get the next thing I'm going to publish out, whether it's a book, um, I'm also doing a podcast of my own, yeah. which I don't have a title for. It's, in the, it's, it's basically a musical podcast, um, meaning singing in the podcast. But um, I will get a website out that, that is DanielTobias.com. I just um, purchased the domain. So I'll have a DanielTobias.com. Uh, um, it's going to have a lot of music in it, a lot of writing, and then some... Um, I don't feel like, as a choreographer, I'm, I'm not there. I'm not out there yet. So um, I, eventually it will be populated with more, um, with more dance things. But initially it will be writing. Um, so for choreography, uh, man, I mean, I did 18 dances last year, so there was just so much. But what I'm really excited about now, <laughs> I think a lot of choreographers do this, is they're always excited about the new dance that they're about to release. But uh, So John Robinson and I um, co-choreographed um, to Bruce Hornsby's Mandolin Rain. Um, I initially did a, uh, a version and competed in it. This is a funny story if we have time. Go for it. So initially I... I choreographed to uh, Mandolin Rain and entitled it Listen to the Mandolin Rain. I competed at it uh, once at one of these events and then another time at um, Jamie Marshall's Fort Wayne. And both times it didn't even place. And I was like, okay, maybe it's just not their cup of tea or maybe I just did something wrong. At another event that's a non-competition event, I was with John Robinson and John Robinson had this... <laughs> this this look of frustration on his face. I'm like, John, what's wrong? And he goes, I'm really, what do you say? Um, I'm really distressed. It's <laughs> like, oh, what are you distressed about, John? He says, your dance. Which dance, John? Mandolin Rain. It's such a good song. Your dance is almost there, but it's just not quite. And that distresses me. I'm like, okay, let's go work on it. He said it with that emphatic way. <laughs> he likes to say things, which cracks me up. So I said, but don't you have to watch your booth, John? And he said, uh, it can wait. Let's go work on it right now. I said, okay. So we went to the end of the hall, and we, um, we worked on it. And the basic structure that it had is there. But man, what John added, it just put it over the top. And I cannot wait for him to release it. He just, he did, to release it, he put some, these incredible touches to it. This is what makes him just a master, is he put these incredible little, he finessed it in little ways that just transformed it. So he, I hope, will be able to teach it sometime this year, listen to the mandolin rain. So I'm super excited about that, that dance. It's um, a nightclub dance, super emotional, but I think, but enough people know the song that I think it'll be very appealing to people. But the point is that it interprets the lyrics really, really well. And um, I, a lot of that credit is to John and my initial structure to it. But the collaboration, which is the other element in choreography, which I forgot to mention, is something that I'm still learning. I don't get to choreograph, to collaborate a lot. Um, but the times that I do and you allow your ego just to go away and you're open to whatever they have to say because everybody has different impulses. If you, Christopher, and I you know, um, co-choreograph something, we have to listen to each other, right? Nobody's right and nobody's wrong. It's just different impulses. Um, but I find that in, its, in and of itself to be a very, very beautiful and also kind of exciting, kind of stimulating process. 
of allowing another person's impulses kind of into your creative playground. And that's fun too. Yeah, I'm still at the place where I have had little enough experience with collaboration that even if a person hears a song and they're like, I don't know, I just don't. I'm like, well, okay, fine. I mean, I like it, but that's whatever, you know. So I'm learning to, to smooth that. <laughs> learning to deal with other people's opinions mm. that are not always the most supportive. It's about learning about people mm-hmm. because it's what they're bringing if they're frustrated or just kind of negative it really reflects their life and less about what they actually saw in front of their own two eyes it's about oh, what's wrong is it, are you having health issues your son or daughter not calling you are you on a fixed income and you don't have you barely have enough to make it into this event which happens to a lot of people um what's going on with that person and so the skill and I think it is a skill of going to an event like a dance event and having fun and not letting the darkness that some people bring to it affect you I think it's a skill set and so I think it's important to learn for me in particular I first came to the events and I got just frustrated because one I didn't know enough dances or two, you talk to people when you were out on the floor and they say, you know, you're trying to dance too much like Rachel, for instance. You know, I'm like, that's a compliment. I want to dance more like her and I'm not there. And for the person who, is, who understands that dancers are working all the time to get better, or at least, you know, the, a certain segment of the dancers are always trying to get better. You need to, even in the process of learning, put yourself out there and commit to it. And yes, you're going to mess up, and who cares? And the people that do care, the skill set of learning to ignore that or not even let that into your orbit is a valuable one to learn. To, to experiment and not care if somebody disapproves. You want to listen to the person who approaches you from or gives you a critique that is really about, that, well, really has an action item at the end of it that says, oh, I understand that, and that makes sense. But the person who's just kind of trying to put you in your place, which there aren't a lot at these events, these are mostly beautiful people, once in a while they'll come to you, especially when you are competing as a choreographer. Man, there are opinions, and they'll private message you or come up to you directly and tell you them because everybody's got their opinions, and some people, a lot of people are older than you and I are. You tend to get more opinionated as you get older, and they'll just tell you it. And you're like, I didn't ask for your opinion, and yet you have to learn to either absorb it or not, right? But don't get anger, angry yourself about it. You cannot, you cannot let yourself go to that red zone just because somebody allows you to do it. And I know some people that just... For all their experience, they still get affected by everybody and what they what everybody thinks about them. And I hope, and I don't mean this from a self righteous person, I mean place because I'm still learning, learning that skill set of of not allowing that to make me angry. But I I think that it's important skill set for those people to learn as well as for me. 
For people who have maybe follow-up questions uh, about specific things that you do, maybe less related to dance, but any center in exercise or anything like that, is there an email address where people could just bug you all the time? Absolutely. Bug me. I love <laughs> being bugged. <laughs> no, you're not bugging. It's Daniel E. Tobias at AOL.com. Eventually, it's going to be Daniel at DanielTobias.com. <laughs> but for right now, Daniel E. Tobias at AOL.com. I am not in any way an expert. I'm not presenting myself in that way. As my teacher, Richard McMurrick, says, <laughs> and he always puts me in, the, in my place rightfully, he says, Daniel, in the dance world, you're just a baby. But you're a really, really sincere, skilled baby. But never make a mistake. Never, never be overconfident or have too much pride in what you're doing. You're learning. The follow-up is that, in a way, we're all babies. We're all learning, as well we should. And I think that's what makes dance, in particular, so beautiful, is you never stop learning. It doesn't matter if you're a pro. It doesn't matter if you're just beginning really, really have this opportunity to get better and not just physically, not just knowing the moves, technique, interactions with other people, being open emotionally, and then just as an artist, being as a truthful as you possibly can, this world gives you that opportunity to do that. For people who want to go out and try something, like uh, if they want something actionable. Uh, is there anything that you would, if you have the ear of the entire listening line dance community, is there anything that you would want to suggest for everyone? Uh, like uh, there's the, in, in the Tim Ferriss podcast, they mentioned the deviant for a day exercise where you just put like a black smudge or, uh, or you just lay, lay down, a black smudge on your forehead or you lay down for five seconds in a Starbucks and you don't explain it. Little things that just... Um, you, you do that enough and you think, wow, it really doesn't matter what people say or think about me. Is there anything that you would want people to, um, to think about or to do in the line dance world that might enrich their lives in some way? There are a couple things. Here's something you're not going to get from a lot of line dancers, but this comes from um, Meisner technique. Be aware of what your truth is. When you're just, you don't have to say it. You don't have to say F you to your boss or anything if they make you angry. Be as crystal clear as you can about how you feel in that moment. And then let it go. And that's the most important thing. Let it go. Do not hold on to it. Do, if you're holding on to it, you've latched that emotion to your ego. And that ego says, I need to retaliate. I need to be right. I need to be heard. You need to let it go. Why that will help as a dancer to be emotional, be open to being emotional, be crystal clear about how you feel and where it hits you physically, and then three, to let it go, is that will help you dance better. It will help you commit to the truth, the instantaneous truth, of what you're doing on the dance floor, whether you're choreographing or dancing. And then you need to let it go because, like life, music keeps moving on. It's gone. Therefore, if you make a mistake, you don't need to hold on to it and be filled with shame. Also, if you do something fabulous, you are immediately sort of in danger in a way of trying to need to top that. 
and that will lead you to either physical injury or something absolutely ridiculous, or you'll invade somebody else's space because you'll want to get bigger. Letting it go, because the next truth might be really small and internal. So my primary advice, this isn't even about dancing, but probably more about being a human, is being, well, being open emotionally, one, two, being clear about your truth, and that includes what the emotion is and where it's hitting you. And then three, letting it go. Because you need that. You need that in an expressive person and you need that on the dance floor for sure. Secondly, more practically, is YouTube as much as you can. YouTube the people that start recognizing what good dance technique is. Because where I'm really hedging is that there, you can spend your entire life learning new moves, but it all boils down to basic good technique. I lucked out by finding somebody like Richard McMurray because he is a technical perfectionist. And I needed that, not coming from any dance background. In fact, I have an identical twin brother. We didn't dance growing up. I think we skipped like the high school prom because we just didn't want to have anybody see us dance. We were that self-conscious and that awkward with our bodies. And I knew when I first started two-stepping, I first started dancing by two-stepping, that I had a lot to catch up on. And I lucked out because I just asked for somebody, is there a teacher who can kind of sort of teach me something? And Richard McMurrick, whom I have come to love over all these years, I lucked out because he started me with technique first. And that started me on the road of connecting my body, but in the most efficient um, and clean and correct way that won't injure myself, but also looks better, right? Um, from there, um, I, from two-step, I ended up West Coast swinging, which is even, uh, it just incorporated kind of the smoothness and a sort of sensuality, which I didn't know that I had in me. And then from there, it evolved to line dancing. Actually, it included, it supplemented it with line dance, where it incorporated even more. So YouTubing um, people who dance well, not just people who know moves, people who dance well, even if it's not line dancing, Right, it's you know who is who you're all you're never going to go wrong with Rachel McMurray, but outside of sorry, did I say that <laughs> Rachel McEnany? Hmm. But um, if you you know Rob Robert Royston has some um, has great technique, um, and then in ballroom there's great technique, and then Richard McMurray himself has some um, videos out there. So look for videos that have more than just the moves of the dance. Look for good technique. You need that as your basis. You, I really encourage you to. But then beyond that, um, and oh, and by the way, there are pros in every single city. They're spread out all over the world. So look for that. Beyond that is go to your local bar. And it doesn't have to be country. It can be anything. Um, and start dancing. You just have to get your foot onto the floor and click over, and this is another skill set, to not caring about what people think. I mean, care about not hurting people, of course. But it's a very, very important thing to not being afraid to make a, quote, fool of yourself on the floor, right? to be commit to whatever level you are and whatever emotion you're feeling at that, that moment. Um, 
and commit to it. Because if you don't learn to do that and you're self-conscious the whole time, you will, you will limit your possibilities and you won't experience the joy because you're not experiencing anything. So figure out what in your life is making you self-conscious, address it, throw it into the dustbin, get out there on the floor. There are dance places everywhere, whether it's a saloon with, with line dancing, there's ballroom everywhere, there's West Coast is just, it's, it's really taking over the world, really, because you can West Coast swing to any kind of, so much music, whether it's Justin Bieber or to kind of also Frank, Frank Sinatra, you can West Coast to so much. If you can't find West Coast in your town, you're not looking hard enough. Hmm. It's there. Um, so getting over your self-consciousness, YouTube to get and find somebody who can teach, even if it's YouTube videos, to teach you um, good technique. And then third, the other part is about the emotional journey. Mm. All right. Well... I believe there's a there's a workshop that Rachel is leading out there in a few I want to take it or now, and uh, I will definitely let you get out to that. I have one last question: What dance would you recommend everyone learn right now? I learned one from Rhoda Lai, and um, she's from Canada, and it is simple enough for a lot of people to do. It hits all the right. It hits. Lyrically, it hits it right. It feels good with your body. I think the flow is all there. And it's called Starving. And I, I'm right now loving that dance. It's, it hasn't hit everything. And I think it, I don't, you never know if it's going to hit everyone. But f- f- from an expressive point of view, I'm loving Rotalize Starving right now. Hmm. All right. Well, thank you for the recommendation. And thank you, thank you for sitting down and chatting. Thank you. This has been fun. Yep, my pleasure. We'll see you out there on the dance floor. Yep.